Okay. Who was, who, who applauded? Come on, girl. Thank you, Maddie. I heard one applaud. Just one applaud. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that was funny. It's like, clap, clap. <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. You know. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Sweet Maddie. Had a great time at their house the other night, and she uh, cooked us an authentic English meal, and it was awesome. It was amazing. It really was. So uh, sorry that you couldn't be there to join it with us. How's everybody doing today? Doing great? Okay. I know sometimes in the afternoon, <clears throat> you know, we can kind of, it's sort of like couch time. You know, you just you want to relax, you want to lay out couch and uh, I, uh, I'm usually ha- sitting on the couch with my, with my cell phone in my hand and somewhere along the way I have just lost it, you know, and I'm gone. I'm just gone. And, uh, but hopefully that you're alert and, uh, you can hold on to those ice cream sundaes and, and Coke floats and root beer floats and we'll have a great time with that. And, um, I have to say this, uh, I don't know if it was on Saturday or Friday. I was at the office late working on some things, working on some stuff with the message and everything. And I called Cindy, my wife, and uh, just letting her know when I probably would be home and things like that. So I'm on the phone talking with Cindy, just talking. And all of a sudden, in my mind, I'm thinking, where is my cell phone? And I started looking around. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, where did I put my cell phone? I'm thinking to myself, where did I put my cell phone? And I'm just talking to Cindy on the phone. And, and all of a sudden it just hit me. And it's just like, God, thank you. No one saw this. You know? <laughs> uh, I know you've never done anything like that probably, have you? You know? Or, or looking for your glasses and they're on your face. And so, uh. Uh, not even on your head. On your head is a good excuse, but there you're looking through your glasses. <laughs> Got some really a great testimony, good news to share with you this afternoon. Many of us uh, who know John Gross, uh, we've been praying for him. Uh, if you don't know John, we have a great couple in our church. They have like 50 children and um, are close to that. I just We just round up. You know, we just round up. It's close to 50, you know. And <laughs> you know, they have, what, about seven or eight children or something like that. They do have five, oh, six, seven. Another one's been born, eight, nine. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, last year, John was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, um, and so that, of course, that's, he's an airline pilot. So that's, that's a problem. You know, and um, it was not cancerous, praise God, uh, but it was still there, you know. And uh, so he had to go, had to go to California because he had had a previous surgery many years, a good many years ago, uh, uh, sort of a similar situation. Went to California, prayed, and and this one, this tumor was much larger. It was a, it was a, it was a good size. Uh, tumor that was there. We just begin to pray and begin to believe that God's bigger than a tumor. God's bigger than anything. God can take care of anything. 
Jesus dying on the cross for you and I, he took stripes upon his body. And he says, by these stripes, you were healed. He proclaims that, fulfilled prophecy, he proclaims that over our lives. So that's, that's awesome, isn't it? And so, um, so praying during that time, and we just prayed that the Lord would just somehow cut the life source to this thing. And God spoke to his wife, Jill, and said, when the doctors go in, God says, I'm just going to have it laying there. And all they have to do is pull it out. And that's exactly what happened. It was amazing. And by going through the surgery, uh, with, uh, the, the fear of clotting, clotting and things like that, they put a filtered stent in one of his veins to capture any clots in it or whatever. One is supposed to be in there for a short period of time. And for this past year, they have tried three times to get that thing out. And it's so stuck in there, they can't get it out. So, um, and so John went back to California again and they tried the first attempt and couldn't get it out. And so we just prayed, prayed and prayed. And, and, uh, so the good news is on Thursday, they did one more surgery. They were able to pull that thing out of his body. Uh, it's totally gone. It, it really, you know, enables him now. He's really excited because it enables him to get back flying again. And he's really thrilled about that. And I just, you know, uh, it's important to share testimonies. It's important to share the great things of God. Because we're all, probably every one of us sitting here, we are going through something, more than likely. We're going through something. Maybe it's not something to do with uh, uh, some type of sickness or disease in our body. But we're going through something. And sometimes it, it may seem to be quite an impossibility. And I just want to encourage you tonight that uh, there's many of us sitting here that could stand up and say, this is, how God, this is how God took care of this impossibility in my life, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. God's amazing. God's amazing. And, he, and he, he's, he's with us on this amazing journey that we're on called walking the Christian life. And I want to talk a little bit uh, this afternoon with you about uh, facing the whys of your journey. Because there are going to come points in times as we walk this walk that we, we come around a turn or a bend and all of a sudden something unexpected is right there. And it creates a why in our life many times. Why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? Why now? You know, uh, you know, uh, why is it that I, I'm, I, I'm not able to move past this? Why is it so huge, big, impossible, whatever it is? It creates a why in our life. And we all face those whys. And, and, and we've got to know how to handle those things in life. Because we're all together. You know, um, I'm trying to think now, 44 years ago, I, I answered a call. As a 18 year old young man going into the University of South Carolina, there was a call. I thought I was on my own journey. I thought I was on a journey to go into school now, get my education. I would go on to medical school. And, uh, so I had it all worked out, had it all planned out, you know, like we all do. We, we, we start a journey. We start something and it's our journey and it's all about us and it's all about what I'm going to do in life. 
And um, somewhere along the way, there is a call to another journey. And when I was 18, uh, God called out to me and said, I've got a new journey for you if you will walk it with me. I want to tell you that for now for 44 years, I've been walking a different journey. And it hasn't been at times the easiest, but I want to tell you it's been wonderful. It's been great. It's been amazing. I've been challenged. I have been humbled. <laughs> I have been tried in my heart, in my emotions, in my character. But I have moved ahead, and I've kept on moving. I've kept on moving. I'm 62 years old now, and I'm expected for about another at least 50 or 60 years, you know. And I'm just going to keep moving and keep moving ahead, you know. And, and, and I love to hear about people's journeys. If you take time and you sit down with people and you just say, tell me about your journey, it's amazing what comes out. And it's amazing how people want to share their journey with you. And it's amazing many times how their life will open up to God. Because most of the time they have no one listens or no one cares. And so it's so important for us to take time and to say, tell me your journey. Tell me what's going on. And it's amazing that, like I said, the open doors that God will give into a life. But I love um, in... Second Timothy, Paul, Paul had quite a journey. One day he set out on what was his journey, <laughs> his journey of, of doing what he thought was right and persecuting Christians and uh, as, a as a very zealous, uh, uh, learned Jew and, uh, and, and, you know, following God the way he thought he should follow God and did not believe in Christ and began his journey in life, you know? And along the way of the journey, God met him and God invited Paul to a different journey. And, uh, and by the grace of God, Paul said yes. Of course, he got knocked off of his horse and became blind and he had a little bit of incentive, you know, to, oh, okay, sure, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you read through the New Testament, you see all the things that this man went through for the sake of the gospel. And I always had joy about him. And he had joy in his journey because he knew that Jesus was in the journey. And whenever, wherever you are in your journey, I want to tell you, I encourage you, you can have great joy in your journey. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and know that he's with you, he's the one that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But I love what Paul writes in Second Timothy here as he's coming to the end of his journey and he, and, he, and he tells Timothy as he writes to him, I have, he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And what a great testimony. What a great thing that, listen, you know, I finished the race. I finished my journey. I want to tell you that over the 44 years, I have met a lot of people. And I have walked with a lot of people that uh, 
was walking this walk of Christianity. And along the way, they faced the whys of their journey. And they really struggled because they didn't know how to handle it. Didn't know what God was doing. Had a lot of questions, but not a lot of answers. And somewhere along the way, they gave up. Somewhere along the way, they became a casualty. And what's so sad is for that to ever occur, because it doesn't have to occur. But the choices they made, the decisions they made, and they walked away. And I just want to encourage us tonight, as we look at some things here, that the temptation will be there at times just to give up. The temptation will be there at times to be angry. The temptation will be there at times to be critical. The temptation at times will be there to just question God. God, I don't know if you're really good. And those are the things that the enemy puts in your mind and puts in your thoughts because God is always good. And one thing that I know that I and I know that many of us here sitting here tonight, we have, we have witnessed and we have experienced the goodness of God continually, continually. A few weeks back when I, last time I shared, which was at the beginning of um, April here, uh, I shared on um, God calling us out of where we were at into a new place. And God does that on our journey. Sometimes we reach a certain part in our journey and we remain there for a season and it's good and everything's wonderful and everything's going well. Hey, John. And, uh, so you sit down, buddy. And, uh, and so, uh, and everything's good and, and we get comfortable there and we go with, what a great place, man. I, I've got it all figured out. There's no more problems. I, I can handle everything. What is the next thing that God does? He calls us out. He calls us out away from that place that, that we think we know everything. We've experienced everything. And he says, I'm bringing you to a new place. And the new place has a lot of new challenges. And that new place have a, has a lot of things that we're not familiar with and, and all of those things, you know. And so we have to make a choice. Are we, are we going to do that? And so, uh, we talked about, uh, we talked about Abram because Abram was exactly in that place that he was on his journey with his family. His family were nomads and they would, they would travel around and, and had flocks and everything and, and he, and that's the way it was. That's just how life was. That's how their journey was. And for generations, that's how their journey was. And then God, God comes upon Abram's life and he calls him out and he invites him to a new journey. And he has a decision to make. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse one through two. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house, God was pretty clear, <laughs> get away, I've got something better for you, to a land that I will show you. Doesn't tell him where the land's going to be. Tell him, basically says, I'm asking you to trust me. And I want to tell you, there are times in the journey that you walk with God that all that God will tell you is, will you trust me? You know, he, you won't see the entire map. You won't be able to see the entire journey. We want to, don't we? We want to be like, God, if you'll be my GPS, I really appreciate it. 
You start here, turn here, take a right here, you know, go three blocks here this way, and welcome to your destiny. Ta-da! Isn't it great, you know? But God doesn't do it that way. You know, God's map looks so different from my map and probably from your map and from your GPS. You know, it's like God is really simple. You do this, you do this, you know, bada bing, here I am. I'm in my destiny. Everything's great. You know, abundant life is so good. And uh, thank you so much. And I'll see you in heaven. And so that's kind of how, <laughs> how we are. But, but God understands that the journey is not to a destination and the journey is not to a place, but the journey is a journey inside your heart. And you've got to get that revelation on that. Because if not, we think the journey is to an occupation. The journey is to a call. The journey is to a ministry. The journey is something like that. But the journey that I have found in walking this journey is that it's a journey into your heart, into the transformation of your heart. And that's something that we're not clued in on usually. And it's just like God, it's just like my, my, my heart is just, you're stretching it, you're pulling it. It doesn't feel good. What are you doing? Stop it, type thing. Just get me to my destiny. And um, so, so God calls Abram out, and He says, "Abram, I, I, I want you to trust me that I can get you to your destiny." So He has a choice. You will. We will all have a choice, guys. That's the thing about God is wonderful. He never coerces. He never manipulates. He never makes us do it. He says, if, you, if this is the journey that you want to be on, go for it. I'll always be here. You can call out to me. You know, when you find your life in a ditch, which you probably will, you know, call me. And we do, don't we? You know, we walk this journey. It's like, I know it. It's my way. I've got it figured out. And next thing we know, we're in a ditch somewhere. And we're calling AAA. Or we're calling G-O-D, okay? And God, can you, can, you, can, you, can you haul me out of this? And we do that over and over and over again many times until we finally come to a place of saying, maybe God has a little bit better understanding than I do about my journey. And we surrender. And Abram is at this point. Is he going to surrender? Is he going to surrender his life to God's journey? And God gives this. God says, listen, if you make this choice, he says, I will make you a great nation. Wow. Isn't that amazing? What if tonight God speaks that to you before, as you're getting ready for, for bed? Oh, by the way, Steve, you know, if you follow me in this journey, I'm going to make you absolutely great. going to make you great, and you're going to have great influence, and I'm going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine and I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a blessing to many people. And that's exactly what he told Abram. So Abram says yes and he starts this journey and God tells Abram, Abram, I'm going to make you a father. Now that was a little difficult because uh, him and Sarah have been married for quite a, quite a long while and they had not been able to have any children and they're getting older and older but God keeps promising. He takes them out at night. He says, look at all the stars. See, 
there, there are billions of stars. That's your family. That's how your family is going to be numbered. Look at the sand on the seashore. You can't, you can't even count it. He said, that, that's going to be, that's going to represent your family. And, and I'm sure that Abram had a huge why facing him, right? Staring him in the face. Why don't I have a child? <laughs> Very simple. If I'm ever going to have a family, I've got to have a boy. You know, I've got to reproduce. I've got to have my name to go forth. I have no children. And, but it seemed like that God really didn't hear that. God just keeps saying, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you great. And all the while on Abram's journey, he's trusting God, trusting God, but he's getting older and older and older. God meets him again years later. He meets him again. Meets him outside under a tree. If you remember the story, he tells him again, Abram, I haven't forgotten you. You are still on my radar screen. I want to remind you again, I'm going to give you a child. By that time, Sarah is about like 100 years old. You know, she's in the tent. She hears it and she starts laughing because she says, how ridiculous is it? You know, our journey is over. Abram, our journey ever to have a child is finished. It's over. It's not going to happen. So somehow, I have this big why. Why did God promise this and why has it never happened? And in my mind, in my thinking, it's never going to happen. And I want to tell you, you are going to reach moments just like that in life as you walk with God, as you follow his call, as you follow him to your best ability and by his grace, and as he, fought, as he leads you, you're going to get to points like that where you're going to have that same reaction at times. God, you have promised this to me, but God, I'm, I am further away from it now than I have ever been. And I'm like, I'm just kind of, you know, it's ridiculous. And that's exactly the, what Sarah thought and Abram thought. And Abram says, well, you know, listen, Sarah, you know, maybe someone else could carry our child. I can do that. Someone else could carry our child. And uh, so Abram, Abram steps out on his own journey. And his own journey is still in the earth today. And that journey continues on today. And, uh, and so, so, but God gives them a child. Gives them a child. Miracle gives them a child. And uh, along the journey, God says, the child's growing up. The child is like, like, yes, yes. You know, I'm going to be the father of all nations. I'm going to be a great father. You know, and God says, uh, it's time to sacrifice your son. It's time to let him die. I want you to go up to the mountain. And I want you to sacrifice your dream. That's really heavy. But there are times in life on this journey, guys, that, that God will, will, will tell you, you've got to sacrifice your dream. Will you, are you willing to sacrifice your dream for me? Are you willing? And trust me. 
And I, you know, I, I don't know how. I, I've got three children. My oldest is, is a boy, Joshua. And, I, you know, I think about losing Joshua. I just can't even imagine what it would be like to lose my son or lose my daughters or any of them. But Abram is faced with a, with a decision to make of losing not just his dream, but his son, someone that he loved, someone that he would give his own life for. But yet he says, I will trust you, God. I will trust you, God. There are so many times, guys, that if we don't understand what God is doing, we will get so bitter and so angry and so frustrated and we'll become angry at God, we'll become angry at others, we'll judge other people because maybe they were a part of the something that messed up your dream, messed up your journey or whatever. And we will, we will accuse them and we will talk about them because it's always someone else's fault. But I want to tell you that God's got something amazing for every one of us in this room. Something amazing. I don't know what that amazing thing is, but I know it is amazing because we can't humanly do it. Whatever journey that God is calling you on, you cannot do it. It's impossible because it's a supernatural journey and it takes a supernatural God to fulfill the supernatural journey that he has you on. And so God had had to do a supernatural thing, which we know he did. And Abram, I guess he... He, I guess he felt like, well, if, I, if my son uh, is sacrificed, God will raise him from the dead. I don't know. I don't know what was going through his mind at that time. It doesn't, say, it doesn't tell us in the Bible. But God, he trusted God to the point where he had raised the knife and he was getting ready to plunge the knife in his son's chest when God says, wait. And God provides an animal to sacrifice. We all know that story. And so what I'm trying to get at is that even though Abram or Abraham was amazingly blessed and he walked into his destiny and he had amazing results and his life was transformed because God says his, his life was transformed because God says, he, he, he says that Abraham is my friend. He had such a relationship with God, such an intimacy with God, such a, a realization of his identity in God that God says he's my friend. That's amazing, isn't it? It really is. And so he, his life is transformed, but along the way, he encountered his wives. And, and, he, and he moved forward. Another an amazing person in the Bible is Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. From the moment that God gives him a dream, God gives him a dream at the age of 17, says, you're going to be a great ruler. You're going to be a great leader. Everyone will bow down before you. You'll have great influence over all people at the age of 17. I mean, that's a heavy thing to put on a 17-year-old, and he didn't handle it very well. <laughs> you know, he had a little bit of, a little bit of you know, pride there, a little bit of, let me tell my, let me tell my older brothers, they'll be excited about this, that they're going to get to bow to me. 
I'm thrilled. I know they'll be thrilled. Well, they really weren't thrilled, were they? They were so angry at this, at this, uh, you know, prideful Joseph. They wanted to kill him. And they thought about doing that. But they rejected him, of course. And so, so his, his dream of to greatness, his dream to influence his significance. And because I believe that God wants us to be, to do great things. I mean, there, there needs to be great things done in this earth. And God is a great God. And God has great influence and great power. And he wants to use you and me to see that happen. And great things have to be accomplished. So why not us? Why not through us? You know? And so, um, so he's starting out on his great journey and, and I'm, and, and from the moment, almost from the moment that God spoke this, this is your dream, this is your destiny, nothing from that point lined up. <laughs> from that point, his dream became a nightmare. And nothing went right, it seemingly. If you just look at it as a casual observer from the outside, nothing went right, did it? And here's Joseph. He's starting, he's starting, he's stepping out into his destiny, and he is thrown into a pit. And I'm sure he's laying in this pit, sitting at the bottom of the pit, trying to Trying to, okay, now I'm going to be this great ruler. People are bowing before me. I don't see anybody around me bowing before me. All I feel is a lot of rejection, a lot of hatred. People talking about they want to kill me, that type thing. And that's, that's, that's how he started. And it didn't get much better from there. He gets sold into slavery, goes to Egypt. He, he, he serves in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and, and, uh, Joseph runs away basically so that he would keep, keep himself pure. And she lies and says that he tried to attack her and they throw him into prison. He's in prison for years and, and he's, he's trying to get people to hear and understand I've been unjustly thrown in here. Someone please help me. No help. No help just forgotten, completely forgotten. And so those are the things that Joseph felt and experienced on his journey. Yeah, Joseph journey difficulties, these dysfunctional family. How many of us have ever, uh, we've grown up in some type of dysfunction in our family? That should be every hand almost. There is not a perfect family out there. We all have had experienced some type of dysfunction, rejection, hatred, how many of you sometimes you feel like, well, I've been so rejected in life, so hated in life, so abandoned in life. How could I ever finish my journey for God? Have anything that's significant? Lack of freedom to pursue his dream. That was, was one of the, the, the lies the enemy put upon Joseph. You know, you have no freedom. You're in prison. You know, how, how are you going to ever be a ruler here? And he had a choice. He had a choice. I'm going to believe that lie or I'm going to believe God. It doesn't say much about it in the Bible, but we know as a result of his actions and his heart and serving others, 
he was bound and determined. You know, this doesn't look very royal right here, right now, in the depths of the prison, you know, but I can be royal in very unroyal places. You know, and I, I, and I can live out my dream right here if I choose to. And sometimes that's exactly what God does. Sometimes we have this idea of what our dream looks like and what it's going to be and everything. And where God places you, where God puts you, doesn't line up. But you have a choice. You have a choice at that point in time. When they're facing the why, why, God, does this not look anything like what I thought it was going to look like? And God says, will you trust me and will you live out your dream right here in this place? And watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. I think every man, woman of God that's ever did anything that was notable, they faced those moments in life. You go back, read biographies on great Christians, every one of them had a moment where they had to say, God, it doesn't look like what I thought it was, but I am yet, I will serve you, and I will live out my dream, the essence of my dream right here. And it was the, it was the great stair step for them to be, to be moved on to, to other things. That's what Joseph faced. He was lied about. He was forgotten. He was accused wrongly. His reputation was destroyed because of the lies. And took 22 years, guys. From the age of 17, took 22 years for Joseph to realize the fullness of his dream, the fullness of the journey that he was on. Listen, some of us, we get messed up if it's 22 minutes. Okay, God, why aren't you moving faster? You know, God forbid 22 days. <laughs> 22 years. Imagine that. 22 years. And so I want to share with you, before we leave here at 8, um, listen, we've got, we've got ice cream waiting on you, so you're not going anywhere. I know better. Okay. This is one of those nights I can go as long as I want to, you know, because ice cream is coming. <laughs> I want to share with you, it will be quick. It will be kind of my quick, okay? Five things that I really, you can see in the life of Joseph, but I, I believe it will help you in, in, in our life as we, as we walk in this journey together. And, uh, uh, Jason, you have to come back in, buddy. Sit back down, okay? You're not leaving. It's not that easy. <laughs> I, know. I know what you're doing. First thing is very important, guys, that where we're in the place and, and circumstances and things confront us, impossibilities, and whys begin to emerge. We begin to question why God, why God, why this, why now? Why is not, why maybe not someone else instead of me? type thing. And the first thing that we, we need to understand, where do you fix your eyes? What do you look at? Where do you, who do you gaze to? Because there sure is enough opportunity to look at all the circumstances around you. You know, and to listen to all the lies of why, why you're not going to make it. Why it's all over. Why it was a mistake. Why you heard wrong, 
All those things that come to all of us. And it's important, one of the most important things is that where do we fix our eyes? Keep your eyes on the author of your journey. I love this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. There we go. Great promise. It says, this is out of the uh, amplified version. And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, need be, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. I just want to encourage you, as you keep your eyes on him, you know, you know that he is able to bring to completion what he has promised you in your life. He's able to do it. The difficulty, though, is that other things get our gaze. Other things get our notice. And we get distracted, and we begin to look at this mountain, that mountain, and that big hurdle, and that big distraction, and that impossibility, and that gigantic lie that's coming at us, or whatever it is. And we start looking at those things. And, we, and the very thing that we look at, that's what we're going to become. That which we behold, that is what we become. We behold anger, you'll become angry. We behold lust, we'll become lustful. We behold pride, we become prideful. We behold God, we become holy. We become strong, we become powerful. I love it, I love it. Joseph had to do that. Joseph, can you imagine all the years he spent in prison and all he saw were the walls of the prison? And I'm sure it wasn't pretty and I'm sure it wasn't nice sure it was filthy I'm sure but Joseph served in that place and he tended to other prisoners and he helped other prisoners and he kept his eyes on God he could have gotten so bitter against his brothers can you imagine can you imagine how many times the enemy tried to get to him thinking on what a horrible thing that they did to him and how you know how um uh, how they need, he needs to hate them. Can you imagine what it was like when Joseph realizes that because God has promoted him and that he is a ruler in Egypt? And can you imagine that when his brothers came from, came from, uh, Israel to, to, to get by grain because of the famine and Joseph recognizes him? Can you imagine, oh my gosh, the battle he had in his mind? Now's his chance to get back at him. Now is his chance to kill them, to hate them, to withhold from them, you know, make them suffer. Because they have made, they, I, I went through years of suffering because of their decision, because of their hands. Now I can get back at them. Can you imagine the battle he had to probably go through? You know, he had a choice to make, but he kept his eyes on God. And we know that he kept his eyes on God because of something that he says in Genesis chapter 45. This is right after that his, he, he, he uh, reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers didn't realize that this man sitting before them was Joseph. They thought he was the ruler of Egypt under Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, he finally can't, he can't wait any longer. He can't hold it back. And he reveals himself to his brothers. And it said that his brothers were just like, 
let me go change my pants kind of situation. You know, they are shocked. They are stunned. They are overwhelmed with fear. The very person that is, should kill us is standing and has the power to do it just like that. Has the power to do it. This is what he says. Powerful. This shows you, man, the power of God. The power to break through disappointment, hurt, you know, anger, bitterness. He says this. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the ruler of all of his house and a ruler of all the land of Egypt. Basically says, listen, I have kept my eyes on God. I have kept my focus on him. I could have gotten so bitter, you know, against you, but I did not allow it in my heart because I believe that God was in control of my destiny and God was in control of my journey. So I stand before you today here. I forgive you. It wasn't you that sent me here. This was God's plan. And God sent me here so that I might preserve your lives and the lives of my family and the lives of others back home. Isn't that powerful? Wow. Wow. Well, we, have a, we'll, we will have choices in our journey. How are we going to react? Guys, we need faith for our journey. We need faith for our journey. I have, I have realized after 44 years that faith is not, and it is not, there's nothing wrong with it. Memorizing scripture, quoting, meditating, all of that does. It helps. But I tell you, faith is in the midst of my journey, allowing God to transform my heart and to trust him and believe him because every time I do, my faith grows stronger, grows stronger, and, it, and, it's, and it's designed to, that somewhere down the road I'm going to face something else, and I'm going to be able to conquer that thing because my faith is stronger. And the thing about it is that you need to understand that your journey is your school. It's your school of faith. And faith is, faith is not grown in your bedroom in your devotion time. There, is, there are things that happen, yes. There's some, but I'm going to tell you, faith grows when you're in the valley, when you're on the mountaintop, when you're in the, when you're in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the, the valley of the shadow of death, when you're in all of those places. That's where you really realize, you find out what's on the inside of you. You begin to realize what begins to come out and got what comes and your, your reaction to situation and circumstances. Tells you everything about your level of faith. Tells you everything about. You either lose it, frustrate, you scream, you, you tear up things, you throw things. Or you say, God, I don't understand all of this, but God, I trust you. God, help me. Help me to grow in my faith here. And I may trust you more and trust you more. And trust you more. And I'm going to give praise to you in this situation. And I'm going to give thanks to you in this situation. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Amen? Everything you believe, guys, will either move you forward or hold you back. The things that are of God that you believe are going to move you forward. The things that are of the enemy that tries to limit your faith is going to hold you back. 
And you make a choice every day many times what you believe upon. Faith is never in neutral. You're never coasting. It's never that way. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. I want to encourage you that I've discovered, I have learned this one thing, and I'm still learning this thing. God does not move in your life because you have a need. God does not move in your life because, you know, what a sad thing. What a horrible thing that happened to you. You know, God doesn't move in your life because of that, because he has pity on you. Now, God loves you, and he has great compassion over you. But it's not our emotions, and it's not our circumstances, and it's not the things that's going to that's gonna move the heart of God. It's only one thing that moves the heart of God. It's our trust and our faith in him. So God doesn't move in your life because you have a need. He moves because you believe him. He moves because you believe him. In Matthew 9, 28 through 30, there's several men that came up to Jesus who were blind. And they asked Jesus if he would heal them. And it says, the blind man came to him as Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And God will ask that very question again and again and again in your life on your journey. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe? It's like, well, no, but aren't you sorry for me? You know, will you do something for me because you really are sorry for me? What? No, never works that way. Say, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And then their eyes were open. Isn't that great? That's the type of faith that God responds to. Just simple belief. Simple belief. And God will, God will ask you over and over again, do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you don't understand what's going on, you're going to get bitter and angry at God, and you're going to say, I know I don't trust you, God. I don't trust you, God. I was speaking with a young man last week. He's right at that place. That he's gotten discouraged, he's gotten disappointed in life. Some of, much of it is the, his own decisions that he's made, but he can't see that right now. And all that he feels like is that I can't trust God. He's not trustworthy. So I'm meeting with him and talking with him and, and, uh, praying with him. And, you know, listen, I, I, I can't convince him, but I know that as, as I meet with him, God can do that. God can bring him to that place. So I know good things are going to happen. I do that, know that. Let me leave you with a couple of thoughts here. One is as you walk this journey, <clears throat> you need to continually ask God to renew your mind because that's where the battleground is. It's right up here. It's right up here. To ask God to renew your mind. Your mind is renewed by one, by just focusing upon the truth. How much time in life on this journey do we focus upon the lies? How much time do we spend worrying and fretting and worried over things and overcome by things 
And it's all based on lies. And in a moment, we can begin to put our heart and our mind upon the truth of God and discover and study and know this word of God here, which, which so beautifully explains the truth of God. All you have to do is read and you discover it. You bring it back to your heart over and over and over again and have your minds renewed. I love it. It says, for it is God's who works in you both to will and do his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's powerful. Just that one verse, if we keep that in our mind, it will renew our mind. It will renew our mind. It will renew our mind. One other thing I want to encourage you is that be an encourager on someone else's journey. It's so powerful. I tell people this all the time. If God has done something in your life, I rejoice with you, but it never is supposed to end with you. Anything that God has done in your life, anything that God has given you is meant to be sowed into another life. It never ends with you. Never. And that's one reason why I feel like that many times that we, we, we have breakthroughs, and, but they're so sporadic or whatever because we haven't shared that the joy of that breakthrough or the testimony of that breakthrough or the things that we've learned, we haven't shared it with someone else to help them. Remember years ago, Cindy and I were getting ready to move from one place to another, and uh, I think it, we were renting in one place, so the refrigerator had to stay there. We couldn't take it with us. And the house that we were looking at to buy, the couple said, we're going to take our refrigerator so it's one of those situations that, okay, we're going to have to buy us a refrigerator. And, of course, back then, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I was a youth pastor, so I was making no money at all. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty bad. And, uh, and so we, we just said, okay, well, one Saturday morning we went garage, hunting, or, uh, garage sale hunting, yard sales. And we found this amazing refrigerator, almost brand new, worked great. And everything. We bought it for like a hundred dollars. I mean, it was just like, it was just a gift from God. It was just one of those things, just like, wow. We're so excited. God had blessed us. Man, God, God had blessed us. God had blessed us. We are, God's blessed us. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. You know, and that very afternoon, we're meeting with this young lady that had just moved to the area. And we asked her how things were going. She said, oh, it's going well. She said, the only thing is that i got to go to the grocery store every day. We go, why do you have to go every day? She said, well, I don't have a refrigerator. And she says that I just have a little cooler and I put what I can in the cooler, but it doesn't hold a whole lot. I looked at Cindy and she looked at me and we go, well, that refrigerator was not for us, apparently. You know, (laughs) and we gave it away. But, you know, out of that, God took care of us, gave us a better refrigerator, you know, worked it out. Didn't cost us a penny either, but God will bring us through those times to be a cheerleader in someone else's journey. I, I, I remember this, this little quote that says, um, be kind to others always because you never know the battles they are going through. And that's so true, isn't it? that 
you never know the battles that they're going through. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Columbia, South Carolina. That's where I grew up, where Cindy grew up also, back there visiting folks. And um, we, um, one of the things, of course, wherever you grow up and you go back, you kind of revisit the places that you ate at. You have your favorite places. You know, there's a favorite place called Zesto's in Columbia, South Carolina. And it's, it's got the, it's under the big ice cream cone type thing, you know, and they got the best burgers, hot dog stuff, fried chicken, unbelievable. And, uh, another place called Russia's. Russia's is kind of similar to that, but really good food also. Really good, healthy <laughs> food type thing, you know. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's how I get to be, have become this chiseled body that I have because I spent a lot of time at Zesto's. I spent a lot of time at Russia's. Listen, this just doesn't happen. It takes effort. You know, it takes effort to get to this place like this. All right? So if y'all need some help to know how to get to attain what I have, I'd be more than glad to help you with that over ice cream later. Okay? <laughs> but I'm sitting there and I'm watching... The, Russia's is great. They, they hire a lot of elderly people, people that are probably in their retirement years to, they, they, you know, many of them need to continue to work. Now, I was watching one lady. She was, I would think she was probably in her 70s. And her job was to refill the iced tea and refill drinks or whatever for people and to clean the trays. That was her job. Now, I'm sure she didn't make a lot of money. But I was watching her and just... The, her countenance, everything, you could tell that she had been, she had been just hammered by life. Life had not been kind to her. Or something had happened, whatever. Had, and she, she you, you know, you just, your heart went out. My heart went out to her. And as soon as I began to concentrate on that, God gave me a word for her. Just dropped it in my spirit immediately, something to tell her. And it wasn't, it wasn't this, to me, it wasn't this extraordinary thing or whatever, this in-depth thing, you know. Uh, but it was just, I knew I had to share it with her. So she came by me and I grabbed her. I said, can I speak to you for a second? She said, oh, do you need more tea? And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good on tea, you know. But I said, do you, can you sit down for a minute? And I, you know, I could tell by the look on her face she didn't know if she did something wrong or whatever. And I said, I said, uh, I felt, I said, uh, uh, I'm a Christian, and I felt like that God put something in my heart for you. And she says, oh, uh, he did. And I said, yeah, I, I believe so. I said, would you mind if I shared that with you? She said, no. So I said, it's just very simple. And I said, it's just that God wants you to know that he hasn't forgotten you. No, that, that, that's a very simple thing. That's something that is very sim- simply shared. But you know, you, you have no idea in people's lives that many, many people feel God is, if there, if there is a God, surely he hasn't remembered me. He's forgotten me because of my life. Or maybe the things I've done, maybe the things I didn't do, I don't know. But when I told her, I said, God just wants you to know that you're not forgotten and that you are on his radar. And he knows where you are. And he wants, he wants to reassure you that he's with you. And she just blubbered. She broke. 
And she said, how do you know this? How do you know this? How do you know this stuff? And I'm thinking, well, it was not any kind of deep insight um, I have here. But to her, it was meaningful and deep. She said, you have no idea. This morning, I was calling out, God, if you're real, where are you? God, why have you forgotten me? She said, I said those very words this morning because of the things that I've gone through recently. And I just felt like that God forgotten me. He forgot all about me. And, he, and, he, and, he, and I cried out to him. I said, God, you have to show me today that, that I am still in your heart and still in your mind. And so it just, that one little thing, that's a very simple act of being a part of someone else's journey. It changed her that morning. Changed her that morning. God also showed me I needed to give some money to her. I did that. And she didn't want to take it. I said, you've got to take it. You know, I'm sorry. You know, God told me to give it to you. That, you know, I can't hold on to it. You've got to have it. It's yours. Be blessed, you know. So, yeah. So, I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you tonight, guys. There is someone else that is on their journey. And they need you. They need your encouragement. They need your help. They need your kindness. They need your love. And you can give it to them. Amen? All right. Still not over with yet, but... uh that's okay. Can we stand up, guys? I, I just... I'm trying to just sense what the Lord wants us to do here before we dig into Coke floats and root beer floats and ice cream and sprinkles and all that good stuff. I want to tell you, God has a great plan for your life. God has a great destiny for you. He has a great journey for you. Don't let anybody else tell you differently. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how, how, how you maybe have failed in life. We all have failed in life. We all have had our extraordinary moments of stupidity. You know, <laughs> I certainly have. God is so in love with every one of you. So in love with every one of you. You are all on his radar. He has not forgotten about any of you, and he is he has chosen to walk with you when Jesus says that I'll never leave you or forsake you. He has chosen to walk with you all the days of your life. From the beginning of your journey to the end of your journey, he will always be with you. And he will walk with you. You know, will you trust him? Will you believe him? Will you follow him? Even in the difficult moments and the difficult times and the unexpected things that happen in life, will you trust him? That's all he's asking. Will you follow me? Just as he did extraordinary things in Abraham's life, in Joseph's life, in his disciples' life, he will do the same in you. He'll do the same in you. Let me just take a moment and pray for you, over you. Father, I thank you right now for each and every person in this place, so precious they are. 
They are, they are valuable, powerful people, Lord God, because they are created in your image. And you love them more than life itself. And God, you said, I have come to give you life and life far more abundantly than you can ever imagine. And Jesus simply says, will you follow me? Will you follow me? My Father is the giver of life. Will you follow me so that you may know my Father? And that you may, you may embark on this extraordinary journey that I have for you. Many times things that you will not understand, things that you will question, things that you will not be able to figure out, but trust me, trust me, trust me. And get back up where you have fallen and turn around where maybe you have walked backwards and keep moving forward. And let's finish this together. Let's finish this together, Lord. I pray tonight that if there's anyone in this place that has been discouraged by their journey, discouraged by life, Father, that they would know that you are the giver of life. You're the giver of all joy. You're the giver of all good things. And that we would just simply embrace you. God says that he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come into repentance. And he does it by through his loving kindness. He doesn't do it through judgment. He doesn't do it through anger. He doesn't do it through anything like that. He does it through his loving kindness. So, Father, I thank you tonight by your Holy Spirit that you would reach out with arms of loving kindness and draw in, God, each and every person in this place. And they would know the Father's love. They would know the heart of an extraordinary Father, extraordinary God. Father, I thank you say that you put your spirit within us that cries out, Abba, Father. And Lord, I thank you that, God, we're not abandoned, we're not orphaned, but we are received and accepted totally by you. God, well, how much freedom is in that. That's extraordinary. God, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. We're going to be around. God.